Let's think about Jesus as the carpenter for a minute. You know, there's not a lot written about Jesus as a carpenter, but for most of his life, that was a big part of how he was known in the community. When the Jews thought about their Messiah, many of them expected a king, maybe a government leader or a religious teacher. So it's fascinating to remember that before Jesus began his years of focused ministry at the end of his life, he was not climbing the ranks of the church organization, nor was he building his network with the elite social crowd nor the wealthy. I don't know exactly how a carpenter was perceived back then, but I think it probably had some of the same perceptions that it has today. It's honest work, working hard with your hands, creating something that's visible and tangible. It's not a flashy job, not a glamorous job, not a job that we associate with the rich, the powerful, or the famous. And that's not to diminish the carpenter at all, quite the opposite. The fact that the savior of the world was a carpenter for most of his life highlights many of the positive attributes about that work. Jesus clearly came to earth on a mission. He came to bring glory to his father. He lived a life without sin. And all of the tables and chairs and doors that he made as a carpenter were part of that plan, part of that mission, part of bringing glory to his father. Jesus's work as a carpenter is a powerful example for us even today, reminding us that we can glorify God in our work, whatever we do. My name is Stephen. My name is Ernie, and this is Devout, an invitation to pause and set our minds on things above. Over these next few weeks, we're going to be looking at a passage in Colossians 3, verse 23. It says this, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. We want to consider this specific phrase, whatever you do. You know, Stephen, you led off with this challenge considering Jesus the way he considered work and the way he valued work. And that is traced back all the way, threaded back all the way to Genesis 1 and 2, where God commands to humanity a call to cultivate and to keep, to cultivate, to work, to keep, to develop this world and this society. And what's so profound as we look at the life of Jesus is that most of his life had sawdust in his beard. Most of his life He had splinters in his hands and he was working with wood and he was developing and he was cultivating and he was keeping. You know, we struggle seeing work as God honoring. We struggle to see how cultivating and keeping society with ethics, with love, with faithfulness actually honors God. But when we look to Jesus, we see something different. It is our hope as we consider over these next few weeks that we would empower all of us to be all where we are. You know, America needs more light, not necessarily in the church, but in the business rooms. America needs more light, not inside the church, but around the water cooler. It's something significant to consider what Paul means when he says, whatever you do, wherever God has put you, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. I've had the privilege to work in the church setting and around the water cooler, as you say, you know, working both in vocational ministry for a while and also in the secular workplace. And it's funny how some of us can believe the grass is greener on the other side. You know, some believers in the workplace think, man, how cool would it be for my job to be to study the Bible? You know, how cool would it be to get paid to know God and make him known? And then, you know, on the other side, some ministers think, man, I would love to have the relevance of a traditional job so I fit in and I have a normal job like everybody else. When I was a missionary uh, in Costa Rica, I saw how quickly the walls could go up with the M word, the missionary word. Someone would ask, what do you do? 
You know, so it's a reminder for us to be content with the role we're in and be content where we are. I also think it's helpful to look at Jesus's approach in the Gospels. Who did he choose to invest his life in? He poured his life into 12 men. He really bet the farm on them. He was counting on these men to build out his plan of kingdom building and evangelism. So who did he choose? Obviously, he went for the big name religious teachers of the day, right? Or maybe the up and coming church planners who had the right clothes and the right beard to reach the next generation. No, he chose average people. He chose a lot of fishermen. Acts 4 captures the story of Peter and John being brought in to defend themselves in front of the religious leaders. And after Peter dropped this bold testimony, the religious leaders were astonished because they realized these were unschooled and ordinary men speaking up like this and making a huge impact in the community. And the verse says that the religious leaders realized that these men had been with Jesus. And this continues today. God uses unschooled and ordinary people to share his message and to bring him glory. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, what about stay-at-home moms and dads? I'm not building relationships with coworkers all day. I'm, I'm not a vocational minister. How does this message apply to me? And I would say that this message absolutely still applies to stay-at-home parents. When Paul says, whatever you do, that definitely includes changing diapers and doling out goldfish or struggling through homework with your kid. You know, your mission field may be wearing onesies today, but that's a vital investment. And you can definitely glorify God by working heartily as a parent. I read a story about a CEO who was a Christian who made tons of money and gave a lot of it away to charity. Super generous indeed, giving sizable amounts to Christian missionaries and philanthropic causes. He said, I wanted to support Jesus' great commission as much as I could. Something changed in this man as he began to see that his work actually had intrinsic value and not merely instrumental value. As he continued to give generously, he began to see that his work actually was valuable. So you and I, we were designed and called not to rest six days and work one. On the contrary, we were called to rest one and work six. So to be fully human is to work as a part of the fabric of who we are. So I'd love to park this car here. I would say many in my generation as a fellow millennial flounder here, wondering, am I in the right place? Is this what I am called to do? And maybe it isn't so much about what you do in your work, but actually being present and working hard as for the Lord and not for men. What would it look like if we really considered what Jim Elliott said, wherever you are, be all there. I think the challenge is that for us. I don't know where you're putting your resume as you continue to work where you are, but what would it look like if you worked wherever you worked, heartily for the Lord, wherever you were, to be all there, fully present, loving people, being faithful, being submissive to your employer, seeing God glorified through your work and in your work. We'll see you next time.